Hello and welcome to Welsh Music Prize Conversations, where each nominated band or artist from the 2021 shortlist will delve deep into a chat about their body of work. Croeso i bodlediad y Wobr Gerddoriaeth Gymreig, lle mae'r tystiad sydd yn web i eleni yn siarad am eu albums. Mae'r deuddeg sgwrs yw clywed trwy Am, Spotify neu Apple Podcasts. All 12 conversations are available through the Am app, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to let us know what you think about these discussions across our social media too. Fy sy'n i'r thyn bodda yn clywed, bych am at Welsh Music Prize. So sit back and enjoy as broadcaster Adam Walton chats with Gwennifer Raymond about her nominated album. Dyma Adam Walton yn sgwrsio a Gwennifer Raymond am ei album Strange Lights over Garth Mountain. Hello, Gwennifer. Hi, Adam. Um, so first and foremost, congratulations on the nomination stroke shortlisting. Yeah. I think it's kind of a combination of both. But obviously the album came out quite a while now, so... How, how do you feel? When, when was the last time you listened to Strange Lights Over Garth Oh, I don't listen to my own music. I don't. I, as soon as I've recorded anything, it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. I, I can't be. I can't be dealing with that. Not even. Not even in like obviously like a nomination or to, to kind of assess where you might go next. Or is it that much kind of part of your DNA that you don't really need to listen to it? You're playing a lot of those tracks, aren't you? Yeah, I play them a lot live, so I guess technically, yeah, I, I hear them when I'm when I'm when I'm when I'm when I'm playing shows because that's a lot of uh, sort of a lot of my my live set these days. Mm. But yeah, in terms of, uh, I I can't go back to stuff that I, I don't know. It just it just annoys me. I can't. You just hear everything that you don't like about it, and then you sort of obsess. I don't know. It's just the way. It's fine. <laughs> that's really well. That's really interesting. Things that are, would annoy you because it's very your very exposed on your albums because it's just you you don't have i mean the, there was actually more on the preceding album in terms of other instrumentation not a lot more um on this one it's completely you and it's completely you and then a, and a solo guitar so and it's kind of warts and all this the way that it's recorded seems to be very much in the moment is that why it's kind of harder to listen to i'm to be honest it's still, i mean it's it's a it it is kind of a slightly raw record, I guess, because I sort of you know recorded it completely by myself in a basement flat whilst waiting for the upstairs neighbor's washing machine to stop <laughs> um, in a mid pandemic. Uh, but no, it's just a general thing. I've just I can't. I don't know, man. I just can't. It's like one of those things. You know, you can't. People who can't, I don't know, who can't look at pictures of themselves or watch things yeah. that they did. I just like nah, can't do it. it doesn't start. Let me do something else. I like doing stuff. I don't like. Uh, looking at stuff while I've done. Yeah, I but, well, um, then I can tell you, having listened to it at least twice today, uh, that it's just got a great a great resonance to it. I, it's a lovely album. It's a brilliant album to walk to. I was going to say lovely is not the right word. Um, it's very, <laughs> very kind of transporting. And it sits together so well. I also listened to uh, the debut album, um, you know, today, as, as, because I've not listened to that for a little while. It's a real progression um, from that, in terms of the way that all of the pieces kind of fit together, was that on your? I mean, was it on your mind? Was everything instinctive? It sounds like a lot. Of what you do is so instinctive. Talking about it might be pointless. <laughs> I do hate talking about it, which is great for a podcast. <laughs> um, no, it's like I get it. Uh, suddenly, I think at that point, 
I think I'd gone a bit more. I I, I don't know what because I don't have any terminology for anything because I'm ignorant. Uh, but I think I'd gone a bit more, uh, <laughs> a bit more uh, compositionally kind of minded at, at that point, where I'd sort of had these sort of ideas of these sort of movements tying together. Mm. Um, and I guess when you do that, you kind of have a that. I don't know. Perhaps I don't know. Perhaps because it's less like ABAB kind of tunage with like a, a pop song next to a pop song. Um, as it were, as close as with oh, those pop songs cl- closer than the second album anyway, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, when you kind of have these sort of them kind of more like natural, I don't know, kind of ideas, I guess, and one idea flows into the other idea versus like a rigorously, you know, classic, uh, like I said, yeah, pop style structured song mm. or something. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it's, um, it reminds me, uh, if it reminds me of anything, and it doesn't really, but it reminds me a lot of the more kind of expansive um, kind of Spanish guitar pieces I used to learn, or South American guitar pieces and a bit of flamenco. And I just mean in terms of, as you said, the structure, not so much the, the compositions or the sound, just the fact that it's not necessarily what I'm used to. And also, from a musical point of view, the notes that you use, they're not kind of the traditional rock and roll pop music kind of scales or modes there's there's lovely kind of dissonance in there which is kind of rare quite rare in contemporary um western music i mean so where where does that kind of tonality come from i'm not sure i've always been a big fan of uh, of, of that actually fair enough if you, you remember my old my old band the physicists so it was just yes. a joke that i had exactly one trick on the guitar and it was playing the wrong note so i did it <laughs> i used to do it back then i used to obsessively you'd sort of You'd play like a, a scale that was like a normal scale, like a riff, and I would always intentionally like put one note down one fret, mm. and that, so because I just liked oh it just sounded a bit wrong, and I, I think I'm sure there's a proper term for that that people know, but I don't know it. So I, I've always I've always just called it playing the wrong note, mm. and I think that that's kind of where that where that dissonance sort of uh, comes from, I guess. It's sort of, you know the unexpected note which kind of puts you on the edge, you know. Yeah, it's it's not unexpected for you though if you've been doing it since the the physicists years but how much of what you do is is done to surprise yourself you said earlier that you were ignorant i mean obviously that's, <laughs> that's that, i mean i think that that's probably a suable like, almost like you're slandering yourself there i think so <laughs> what, what did you what did you mean um, by that actually i, I just have that i have like no musical theory and i've always kind of yeah. intentionally avoided learning any musical theory i think over the years some some's forced its way into my head but i, I try and uh I try not to. What's that? There's like um, it's like I can't remember some. There's some old folk musician who said something like, you know, I know how to I know how to read music a bit, but not enough that it hurts my playing. Yes. And uh, yeah, I kind of have I have a little bit of that. I, I mean, it's possibly unfair, but um, because I'm, there's some people who you know use knowledge of musical theory to great effect. But I've always I don't know. It's just not for me. I think it's it's interesting um, because. In other fields in life, obviously you've, you, you're an academic, you've been an ap- academic, um, mm. you've been in that area where you're not really allowed to be ignorant at all. So is it really important in your music? Is this part of the escape that music gives you that it's so instinctive that you don't necessarily have to worry about, I don't know, mathematical models or, or, or theorems or whatever it is that kind of roots that other academic life? Well, I mean, in a way it's kind of much, it's quite, it's much harder because you know you can, if you're approaching like a, a, a more you know something with a more scientific basis like a problem to solve you you know you could solve it if you just follow the correct you know 
if you, you can you can you know that you can solve it there's a solution that you can follow rigorous things if you understand that methodology then you can you can figure it out but music yeah. is like you always live in fear of what if i've written my last good riff i can't like fig- i don't know analytically how to write a riff you know it's really it's quite scary it's a constant like the constant fear in you in some ways of what if i can't write anything else is good because i've got no i've got no methodology to doing it beyond blind luck seemingly this but in your pieces there'll be 15 amazing riffs in one kind of expansive piece you could kind of spread them out a bit and maybe cure some of that you know um that that riff anxiety like that riff drought nah nah nah, you can't be doing that it's got to be good all the way because i've I've got really bad attention span so i've always i always write songs to my own attention span which is if i'm bored of that bit i'm gonna do a new bit and unfortunately that involves having a lot of new bits so when you're taking i mean obviously we're here to talk about the album but when you then take uh, these tracks out and play them live do you improvise around the pieces or do, or do they end up being pretty much what you did record back then in between the spin cycle of your neighbours, uh, you know, <laughs> washer dryer? You know, they really are. They're generally, I mean, typically I, I like to like, in the case of, of of Strange Lights, it wasn't totally possible for all the tracks because pandemic. Um, but I, I like to play the songs out live a lot and let them kind of sit. Because um, usually you know, you write you'll write a piece. And I I don't I'm not an improviser. I usually like trying to compose a piece of music, and that's the bit of music that you, mm. that you that you play. Um, but inevitably, when you're playing it live, you kind of find that oh, if I do this slightly differently, it sounds I prefer the way. And you just sort of you kind of it is kind of almost by accident. You just sort of find oh, I I I, I messed this bit up, but it sounded mm. really good. So I'll 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 have that. I'll keep that. <laughs> and um. Yeah, and then so so typically it's nice then if you when you've got that then when you go to record the album you've kind of got all those really those little sort of ironed out bits that you discovered from, from through playing it live. Um, so then you record a bit, but yeah, they're not. It's not improvised. It is like I don't I like a composed piece of music. I think I like it yeah. to be a whole a whole idea sort of solid. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned recording the album in between spin cycles or doing it yourself. That's quite a pressure to have. I have adjoining neighbours, and even recording this now, I know that their their son, lovely boy, five years old, Teddy's likely to burst into song or smash something against the wall or or just do something that might not be conducive to the recording of this podcast or I was trying to play some music. So how how difficult was it to record yourself by yourself, or actually was that really liberating? It was quite, no, it was quite liberating, yeah, as you say, because the sort of... I don't know when you're recording with someone watching you. There's that pressure of someone's watching you. You know, mm. they can they see you when you play the same duff note ten times in a row, and you get really irritated yourself, and you just start calling everyone under the sun bad names. Uh, then there's someone who sees that versus if you don't, when you're on your own, you're in the privacy of your own basement flat. Um, yeah, I don't. Know, I find that this is a lot, lot, lot less pressure. And, and funny enough, then actually, I don't know. I find that I play a lot, a lot less of those stupid duff notes and curse everyone out um actually kind of pretty much like a lot of those takes or like one take um just did it and so i kind of i planned quite a lot of time uh, to record that album but i i did it i did about a song a day and so would you know half an hour after work after after remoting into my computer at work sit down knock a song out it was yeah it was all right yeah that's because they're they're very challenging 
um, pieces, I would imagine, to play. But are they challenging to you as you've written them? So in other words, if someone else was to learn them and the idiosyncrasies, the way that you play and attack the guitar and just all of the techniques are involved, I would imagine that that's just kind of grown as the piece has grown for you. So it's, but are they still technically challenging? There's, there's no question there, Gwyneth, there. If you can spot it, you're doing better than I am. <laughs> um, so I, I imagine that probably, because when I, when I write a piece, sometimes I write something that's sort of too hard for me to play. Yeah. And then eventually I figure out how to play it. Um, so I imagine anyone who's you know at the same level as I was when I wrote it would have difficulty, you know, learning. Plus, I mean, yeah, you do write to your own to your own style, right? You kind of write mm -hmm. to how your own, because I think at a certain point, as you know, when you're a instrumental guitar player, you're, you're your right and your left hand become independent animals. So you're kind of just doing what they want to do uh, most of the time. Um, so I guess, you know, someone else going in to, to, to learn to play it would, would have difficulty, but I mean, I have difficulty <laughs> learning other people's songs. I'm, I'm terrible at learning other people's songs. I can't yeah. remember them. Uh, I just, I could, I could write quite long, you know, an eight minute long track and I remember my own thing, but you know, three minute pop song with like one riff. I can't, I can't remember how to play that. It's impossible. Um, so I don't know, I guess. I think it's always hard to play other people's songs. Yeah. Well, when we, you know, if we talk about um, American primitive music and some of the people that have, have kind of broadly inspired you, I don't know how much that's still an inspiration on the music that you make now, because obviously any kind of comparison to ends up being a little bit um, reductive. But is that one of the philosophies almost that you took from that is that what is primitive about that music that kind of almost doing it kind of attacking it um yourself well i mean i think in a way like actually the the origin i mean it's it's, it's a contentious it's a very contentious term right but the origin of the, the term primitive comes from like the art brute movement right of essentially right. it being an unschooled um an unschooled uh artistic endeavor um which i am right as i said i don't i don't have any theory i don't really know what i'm doing i'm just kind of approaching it from a very primitive you know uh, un, un, uncultured un, un, uh, unintellectual um kind of way um so I, I, yeah it's 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 it is primitive in the kind of essence of what how that how that term uh was was coined i guess i mean yeah and obviously yeah i like to hit the shit out of my guitar sometimes and uh, i guess that comes out as sort of primitive more in the sort of caveman sense uh uh but yeah it's definitely it is i don't know but what is but yeah i mean just, but then so you know unintentionally does some of the most sophisticated art come out of primitive art right because the idea of um yeah coming out of it and um not copying something else necessarily or or at least not copying not necessarily not copying but not copying the school of right because like a lot of the great um, we talk about like outsider artists uh which you might which you might call like art brute right the same mm. sort of thing um they were all trying to be something else it's just that they failed at trying to be something <laughs> but they really succeeded at something completely else you know? yeah so yeah. so when are you taking we're having this, this slight, almost contradiction in terms, because you've said a couple of times that you're ignorant about the theory of music and you don't almost want to over-intellectualise it, but you're kind of aware of the place where your expression might sit broadly um, in, you know, between, I don't know, American primitive art boots, whatever these these movements are. So, so knowledge of that, does that have any influence on the music 
that you create. So is that just almost kind of after the fact? It's kind of like, well, maybe that's what's inspired me or maybe that's where where my music would sit. I sort of after the fact. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, it's it's an area of music that I like to listen to. I'm a, you know, I'm a kind of big uh, fan of the old Irwin Chesswood incorrect music hour and all that and all that sort of stuff. Um, but no, I mean, I think in terms of like what I play, it's, I, it's again, it's one of those things that's really inconducive to a podcast because I, I am bad at talking about it. Um, You're not though. It's interesting. <laughs> I think I think that there is something really, really artificial about asking an artist to dissect their album on the occasions when when I've done that or heard other people doing it when maybe Janice has been interviewing an artist um sometimes broadly if they answer those questions and and you can tell that there's almost been a plan to it they're probably this slightly less interesting artist I don't mean to be judgmental saying that so almost it's the people like you to say I don't really know what I'm doing I do know what I'm doing there's all and there's like loads of like little kind of contradictions there yeah. within it so an element of consideration, but but not over-consideration. Yeah, well, because it, it's fun to think about it, but it doesn't really... I was watching and thinking about Tarkovsky, you know, the director Tarkovsky the other day, and him sort of saying a thing about how the importance of it is not what does it mean, but what does it make you feel, mm. right? So in that sense of the idea of explaining a piece of art kind of is belying the whole point of it, really. Yeah. True. We should talk about pizza then. I'm, I want to talk Absolutely, about pizza. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, more about, I'm, 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 pizza. I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> if, is there an aspect of this album, um, especially, that's, that's trying to create almost a folklore or a mythology, as well as the music? So, so that kind of sits with the music. When I was listening, and this has happened a few times, um, it kind of sounds as, it sounds as if it could soundtrack a Cormac McCarthy novel if the Cormac McCarthy novel was set on Garth Mountain. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like it has a folkloric aspect to it that's not just taken from kind of the you know John Farhay and the, the American primitive that kind of almost branch or evolution of of, of left field folk music. He, he, is there kind of a folklore in your head that attaches to your music? I, I guess kind of. I mean certainly I, I'm a I'm a big movie fan. When I have a particular place in my heart for that kind of, uh, you know, uh, folk horror thing, which is un- which is undergoing a great revival now, which is cool because lots of really fun things coming out. Um, so I guess I, to a certain extent, there's always that's kind of in in a way what underpins the back of my head more than anything else. It's kind of, it's sort of movie Im- Im- imagery and, and and things like that, uh, which you know is I, I would you know it's contemporary folklore, right? Movies are just contemporary yeah. folklore. Um, so certainly, I guess I think I think sometimes when I write a piece of music, kind of have some abstract, not like I'm not thinking of I'm some person riding a horse through a pond, but you know, this kind of some abstract thing that maybe is like an image, but not quite. You know, I don't know, like a synthesizer. I don't know. It's uh, it's like there's a sense of summit, which I think I possibly associate more with that strange, spooky. You know, the uh, your kind of. 70s um folk horror movies and also kind of your uh you know your your antique your ghost stories of an of antiquary kind of jam yeah. you know your yeah. jam stuff yeah yes which is i think this is that you know how emma james is like when you when you read too much emma james it's like it kind of gets bad because it's oh it was a ghost right every story is it was a ghost in it but it's just it's just the vibe the whole thing is about mood right and mm. it's kind of and i think that's there's some, so it's that thing. So it's not like necessarily a super specific messaging 
but it's like um this is a vibe, a vibe? i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> no but yeah can, creating um an atmosphere as much as anything else what you know one of the other things that i was considering while listening to it for the first time ever i'd never thought about this um before was what these pieces might be like lyrically almost as if you'd obviously they're not they're not um, they're not they don't have lyrics but almost whether they were angry but what what the emotion was behind them and actually it's kind of really difficult to determine so they, they exist on kind of multiple levels um so hell for certain just to, i mean it's in places it sounds contemplative it can sound like really angry it just goes through a whole process of of emotions that i don't think you can do if you're singing a song lyrically you just sound really schizophrenic if you did that lyrically yeah i mean that's kind of the power of, of, of it's just all instrumental music right is that it kind of gives this this it gives a voice to something that is difficult to to to, to, to verbalize it's kind of mm. the uh i've sometimes called it like the you know the non-verbal gesturing sort of thing right it's kind of this you, you, I was terrible for a podcast, but you kind of, you, know, you throw your arms around and try and get across an idea because, you know, the word is it's just not there. Uh, and, uh, you know, and there's also that sort of reflect, you know, that kind of, you know, that reflection of what, you, what you're seeing in it. And you kind of, we all experience the same, I don't know, rot, rot in your gut, un, unsettled chest. But yes. uh, the specifics of it may be different or are different from person to person, but there is... There's like an essential collective, you know, Jungian subconscious thing going on, maybe uh, that we can, which is the inexpressible component of that stuff versus versus relating it to, you know, personal circumstance, which is what you kind of obviously do if you're, you know, singing lyrics. Yeah, maybe. yeah. If, are you at all when you write a piece? Do you ever think in terms of? Um, anything more conscious than than those emotions that flow through it so do you ever think in terms of almost like a, a lyrical part i don't really know what i'm trying to ask here <laughs> um i'm just because they seem to i don't know i just I, I think that it does seem so instinctive um that it has a real kind of it has a real it's not magical that's that's completely the wrong word um it's just something transcendent about it i think your music um which i love and especially one of the things that i love um you know uh, particularly is that I've tended to talk to you about kind of the attack in your music. There's some really, really beautiful karma moments in between um, that. The the mass, I'm always terrible with titles. Ruben's tune, I think it's just Ruben's song. Ruben's song has got such beautiful movements and movements in it. And Marseille at three, where again, just use whatever your favorite streaming services or buy the album on Tompkins Square and you'll have the track list in front of people. <laughs> um, but, there, but there are moments, beautiful, beautiful moments as well. So is it important to not just be about that kind of attack? Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be about a kind of um, a breadth of it, right? It's like a, about a breadth of exception. I, I, I definitely do, you know, it's, as I say, it's the, it's the attention span. And I think it's easier sometimes to write an attacking song than it is to kind of kind of have that uh you know that nice you know, that nice empty uh, silence is hard right yeah. um so i do try i've been trying i've been trying i've been trying to put quiet bits in it but sometimes i want to hit my guitar um oh, beautiful. Uh, no, I, yeah yeah I, 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 yeah yeah no it's i'm trying to yeah, i guess i'm just trying to do you know a breadth of sounds i guess yeah <laughs> can we talk about your guitar uh, because yeah. 
did you use the same guitar for all of the pieces and is it the same guitar that i've seen you play live that has quite a story to it no so uh i don't so strange lights was all on a waterloo wl 14 l um just yeah. uh, a, a, a modern american guitar I don't know what you saw me. There is the guitar, which is directly behind me right now, um, which is my, uh, if I can move myself. I can, see, I can see the banjo. Oh, yes, I see it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my guitar that Henry Kaiser gave me, which is from yeah. the 18, 1800s. She's a Joseph Borman, who was a Dutch guitar manufacturer, and he sort of purportedly mm. made the, uh, the, the, you know, the greatest guitars on earth or whatever, so he claimed, you know, in his... Uh, in his, in his newspaper adverts uh, and it is an amazing sounding guitar it's got a really interesting sort of bold shape on the back like not not like not like a bold mandolin or anything but just like a mm. sort of subtle kind of uh, arch almost like like you would have an arch on an arch top but it's on the it's on the it's on the back um and yeah as i say it was it's it's from henry kaiser and um that's an amazing it's an amazing sounding guitar it does sound i'm somewhat convinced of it being possessed by i don't know some nature spirit because it just it's you play beautifully whenever you're playing it. It sounds incredible. The only problem is it's from the 1800s and I'm terrified of breaking it. So I can't yes. take any kids anymore. So now I yeah. just play it in the flat. Yeah. Because, you know, there, there's, um, I'm sure that when you learn or when you play an instrument like you do, you kind of have a symbiotic relationship with the instrument. Yeah. And especially an instrument like that. So is that the one that's on throughout? Strange Lights, oh my God. No, Strange Lights was all on my uh, my gigging guitar, which I do love. Right. It's kind of interesting. I've, yeah. I've always been a I've always been a really sort of vintage guitars person, uh, but then eventually I wanted to um, get a good guitar that I wasn't that you know if I if I smashed it into a thousand pieces on a plane, uh, it was just money and not history yes. that I was that I was losing. So uh, I got this yeah this Waterloo Waterloo or they're a sister company of uh, Collins Guitars. They're based in Austin. I mean, so I don't know if you know Collins, Collins guitars, no. very, very, make very, very nice classical guitars. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, but so what, what lose their sister company. So what they try and do is like manufacture like pre-war style, mm. uh, pre-war style sort of blues guitars, but to that same manufacturing standard. So basically what I've got is a guitar that sounds like a vintage guitar, but it's built, mm. but isn't, you know, the, it's built to contemporary spec. And I, I bought it just for, just for gigging originally because I want, you know, I just wanted that, but it's just such a, bloody beautiful sounding guitar that I, I just decided yeah. to record the whole album on it because it sounds great it's really really fun to play yeah and uh, yeah I'm just an advert for Waterloo guitars there. <laughs> <laughs> and that thing that you mentioned that that scenario where guitars get broken it happens all too frequently especially on flights doesn't it I mean I've read yeah. some absolute horror stories because baggage handlers or, or you know cabin staff not to to demean any of them but they might not quite realize the emotional connections to these instruments <laughs> so it's good that that one's safe uh, behind safe. you um for for people who don't know where you're from who are listening to this podcast because they want to get an idea about um all of these excellent um shortlisted albums and don't know about garth mountain the strange lights um over it i might be might have conjured up all of these really fascinating pictures in their mind um listening to the album do you want to to say a little bit about Garth Mountain? Destroy all of those images? Of that? No, man, Garth Mountain's spooky as shit. <laughs> I love Garth Mountain. <laughs> I went back there because uh, I, you know, I live in Brighton now, and I went back there um, a few months ago, and yeah, it's still super spooky. It's great. Uh, yeah, so, so I grew up in Tapswell, which is a village at the foot of the Garth Mountain, hmm. sort of on the river, the River Taff. Uh, 
yeah, and we used to Garth was like it loomed loomed large over my childhood. I went to school in Guayla de Garth, so you know, bottom of the Garth. Yeah, uh, yeah, and um, I've got all these memories of being a kid and going out and going to you know, kind of um, visiting you know the nature reserve around there and going through the forests, which are all super, they're kind of very creepy, dark forests with kind of dark furred trees, and you know, very little, you know, the light is sort of sucked out of the air when you go there. And similarly, uh, you know, I remember going up to the top of the Garth. I saw the uh, the um, the eclipse at the top of the Garth, which was that was very Wicker Man kind of event. You go to the top, <laughs> and there's all these people from the you know from the Ronda have, have climbed this mountain to witness the disappearance of the sun. That was that was that was pretty pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, the title itself comes from um, when I was very little. Uh, I have a distinct memory of my 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 mum and my sister coming home from the co-op or whatever at, at night, uh, claiming to have seen. UFOs flying over the top of yeah. the, uh, the, the peak of the Gath Mountain. So that's where that that's where that comes from, anyway. That's incredibly evocative. I think um, I, we've talked about this before, but briefly. I grew up in the shadow or the kind of silhouette of um, a hill called Moyle Vamai in North Wales, and really, really similar things. Just something now in retrospect that was quite dark and foreboding and those forests again kind of dense and and peaty and and not like airy you know elf forests from um fancy literature there was just something you could get sucked into a bog there and scream and no one would hear you know and and absolutely and, and all the crows would fly down and have a right old feast i'm a big fat head um and and the album it, you know, kind of um, evokes that spirit too. Which is, uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah. So um, now, um, you know, well, firstly, good luck uh, with the, the Welsh Music Prize um, itself. Um, do things like that think um, make a difference? Because I would imagine that when, just to get your music to an audience, when it's so singular, that that's that's a hell of an achievement, whether it's 10, 100, 1,000, 10, 10,000 people. Yeah, you know, it's 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 definitely nice to have people listen to my weird guitar music. <laughs> yeah, it's something strange because sometimes it's not necessarily I don't I don't listen to a lot of solo guitar music, to be honest. I listen to a lot of like Polish doom metal. Um, yeah. but you know, <laughs> but uh, people yeah, but I don't I joke, I listen to stuff. Um I try not to listen to a lot of solo guitar actually just because I don't want to rip people off by accident. I kind of like to listen mm. to different stuff just to kind of different sounds running around in my head. To, yeah, I don't know. It's just I don't know, is it better somehow? But yeah, no, it definitely it's uh it's nice to be heard. I try and not focus on stuff like that. I just try and you know, I just try and think about writing more tracks because mostly because I'm really, really, really slow at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's a really interesting thing to touch on right at the end of our conversation. Because of course, there's always been a perception of the second album for the record. That's kind of the cliche uh, for, for for a long, long time. This came out so or it seemed to come out so quickly. Um, after uh, the the debut album, but you're looking quizzically. I think it was quick. It was like, I, think, I think it was like two years later. But that seems that, even that seems quick? quite that seems quite quick. But then obviously you're a better judge of how fast you are because you're you're with you every day. Yeah, I feel like I'm very. Oh, I am. A, I am a very very slow writer. But it comes back to the whole um, obsessive riff writing and not wanting. I kind of I don't want dead air in a song, so it's, it's yeah. got to be like every bit has got to be spot on for me, and that is a very very different, especially when you're writing a piece of like which is like a compositional. You can't like write a riff like you know a, you know nothing wrong with writing a great riff and it being a 
writing, you know, writing a, a good pop song is incredibly difficult. Um, but it's different because you can write a pop song in five minutes. You know, it's complete yeah. luck. You can do it. You know, I think I feel like I've done it in the past. You just knock it out. And you go, that's an absolute banger. Mm. And uh, that's, you know, you're writing six long, six minute long guitar pieces, which have all got separate parts which have to link together it's just it's just slow <laughs> you can't really you can't verse chorus verse chorus it really so we shouldn't really look into the future too much because obviously we're very much talking about strange lights over Garth mountain um yeah. here but is this for the time being your philosophy will it be you solo guitar maybe banjo and that's it and that kind of nakedness is that your ethos or are you do you feel a wanderlust to maybe go elsewhere? I don't know. I don't know. Kind of to sort of do what I feel like whenever, which is <laughs> probably bad. Not be bored. <laughs> uh, just be, yeah, stop being bored by everything. No, I don't know. I like, I think I just trying to, I, I do mess around with, in different things uh, just for fun and um, tend to, but t I think typically my solo guitar stuff is just, is just better than the other nonsense I do um so that's why but I, you know I, I think I'd quite, I'd quite like to sneak sneak some weird shit in there at some time in between the songs but I don't know I think there's a certain I don't know it's hard to write a good bit of guitar music so it's nice gotcha. when you've written a good bit of guitar music you know what I mean so mm. maybe the answer is I don't fucking know <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait and see of course and so will you which is um, exactly yeah I'll be yeah, shocked as anyone <laughs> that's exciting for you well thank you so much for your time quite a bit oh, uh, good luck you. I'm so so pleased uh, with the nomination just with such a fantastic trans a fantastic you know in 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 all of the senses and transporting um album and uh, I want to see Garth Mountain now I want to I want to do like a top trumps thing to see if it's as foreboding as the hill that <laughs> I grew up with, but north south competition all the time. With yeah, 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 really appreciate it and, and good luck. Bob, luck. Right. Cheers, man. Deal gevaar. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welsh Music Prize Conversations with the 2021 shortlisted bands and artists. Diochan Vaudiaun, Am Rando, at Welsh Music Prize. That's the handle. We'd love to know what you think about the conversations.